0: welcome to what's up wellness from the third floor this podcast is provided by the wellness and health action team also known as wet from portland state university center for student health and counseling or shack we're located in the health promotion suite on the third floor of the university center building on campus our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus my name is bella and my pronouns are she her hers My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it.
1: Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Logan. I use she, they pronouns. To give some context to this episode, this podcast idea started off as, why trying new things can be so hard? It was inspired by the COVID- quarantine frenzy of new hobbies where people were saying things like, "I've always wanted to try this, but have felt too self-conscious." A lot of these comments, you know, went on to describe identifiers like age, race, body type, gender, etc. From there, my line of inquiry shifted toward how our social identities can steer us to internalizing beliefs or become aware of beliefs that limit our opportunities and leave people feeling boxed into that identity label. Because I am by no means an expert in this field of social psychology, I have had the privilege of inviting Dr. Kimberly Kahn. As Dr. Kahn will go on to describe, she is an associate professor within PSU's Department of Psychology. In my own experience, she's a phenomenal professor with fascinating coursework that I rave about to any student in the department who is considering one of her courses. So if you're debating on what psych class to take, I cannot recommend her courses enough. I've always taken new things from her courses and the research that she chooses to present in her courses are just fascinating. I've had her for three classes across my time at PSU and I'm so excited to be speaking with you today about this topic. So without further ado, I'll let our recording go on and play and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello Dr. Khan, thank you so much for joining our show today. I'm so excited to have you here Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure, Um, thanks so so much Logan for having me here. Um, I'm Dr. Kimberly Khan, I'm an associate professor of social psychology here at Portland State And um, my area of expertise is in stereotyping and prejudice uh, and the psychology behind that. How do stereotyping and prejudice impact perceivers and targets of those biases and how does it impact um, intergroup interactions? So I'm excited to talk about some of those effects and outcomes today.
1: I'm looking forward to hearing the wisdom, the insight that you have to bring to myself and our listeners today as well. Um, and I think that we should start from a basis of defining stereotype and we're gonna concentrate quite a bit on what stereotype threats are. Um, and I'm hoping that through these definitions, we could also explore a few examples of, you know, how stereotypes, uh, stereotypes and stereotype threats impede people's performance or trying out new things uh, along the way while you're defining those terms.
2: Sure. So if we want to just start from a basic level of what a stereotype is, certainly that's a word that we hear a lot, but what is it exactly referring to? Um, When we're talking about stereotypes, we're specifically referring to the cognitive beliefs that we hold about the traits that we associate with particular groups. So what are the specific traits that we think all group members entail and and have. So for example, we can think of women uh, are bad at math or African Americans are athletic. Um, and stereotypes can be positive or negative, um, but we actually see that you know even po- even seemingly positive stereotypes have negative effects. Um, if we then sort of move on and think about stereotype threat, um, what is that in particular? Um, so stereotype threat then occurs when you're in a situation where there's a relevant group stereotype about your group. So you're in a some sort of a social situation or context and there's a cultural stereotype um, targeting your group and your group members. And when you're in that And when you're in that setting, then people experience an additional psychological burden to avoid being seen and treated through the lens of that stereotype. It's not an, it's not a comfortable position to be in. People don't want to be stereotyped. Yeah. And they sort of feel this additional pressure to avoid being stereotyped. Um, so then when you're in this situation, what happens is this additional burden of dealing with the stereotype leads people to perform worse. You don't perform up to your ability. And in the long run, it can lead people to sort of disidentify with that domain and just sort of disengage from that uh, area as well in order to sort of cope and deal with that constant experience of stereotype threat. Um, When people are experiencing stereotype threat, um, we're seeing that when they're under stereotype threat, they're increasing their anxiety, there's increased arousal, um, and ultimately they have reduced cognitive capacity, so you're less able to actually even focus on the task at hand. And all of those things together are going into uh, people not being able to perform well or do the best, uh, do the best that they can, because they just have this additional burden of dealing with the stereotype.
1: I was wondering if you could kind of go into a, a huge buzzword topic, especially in higher education communities right now is imposter syndrome and imposter phenomenon. Um, I was curious if you had insight on how stereotype threat can play into that phenomena.
2: Yeah, so stereotype threat, so this sort of experience that you're being judged or seen through the lens of of these negative stereotypes, um, all go into this idea that you're not being judged or seen as who you really are as an individual and your real traits or, or abilities and strengths within a situation. So you feel like you're being sort of seen at the surface and rather uh, not you as an individual and what you can, can contribute. Mm-hmm. So we know then that stereotype threat, when people are experiencing this, um, it's, it's going to lead people to also not perform as well, and then ultimately just not be comfortable in those domains. So it can make people feel like they're an outsider or that they don't belong um, in a given context. And we see that reduced sense of belonging as an important um, outcome of stereotype threat.
1: Mm, Okay, interesting. So, I mean, from my own experience, uh, I'm super into gaming. Um, Women in gaming is a hot topic, as always. Um, People experience a lot of (laughs) misogynistic commentary, especially when they climb up into that competitive ladder. Um, And right now you're running a class called uh, Race and Psychology of Race and Gender in Sports, which I have the privilege of taking. Um, Are there any examples there that you would want to share?
2: yeah so just what are some examples of stereotype threat that we can sort of see Um, great well a classic example here is thinking about women in math or stem contexts Um, we have sort of the the cultural stereotypes and belief that women are not good at math, women are not good engineers or or STEM students. And so when they are taking say advanced math or STEM classes, they're constantly um, going up against the stereotype about their gender. Um, And just that stereotype being salient can lead them to not do well in uh, in those situations. And again, we see that it affects things like their belonging um, and how, they, uh, how comfortable they, they feel in these contexts. And so in addition to that reduced performance, we again see people then deciding to leave say STEM or math um, to go to a, a sort of less stereotyped, gender stereotyped domain. You brought up the example with with sports, um, and we certainly see stereotype threat happen in in sports as well. Um, Interestingly, we can think about stereotypes within sports for both, say, African American athletes and white athletes um, with Uh, African American athletes being stereotyped as having more natural athletic ability. When tasks or athletic performances are framed in terms of natural sports intelligence, which favors white athletes, we actually see black athletes underperform. And oppositely, when um, uh, the same task is framed instead as as a measure of natural athletic ability, we see white athletes underperform compared to their ability again, just when these stereotypes are salient. So it's also important to note that you don't have to believe the stereotype. You don't have to actually think that the stereotype is true for it to affect you. It's the fact that other people in this situation might, um, m- might believe those stereotypes or view you through the lens of those stereotypes. And that's enough to interfere with performance.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, w- I was about to say, because there's so many people I think that are like, this is you know absolute baloney that women can't be performing at the top levels within STEM fields, um, within sports. And I think that more and more people are holding that belief, obviously, and trying to dismiss those older beliefs. But just that knowledge of the stereotype can make people feel really zeroed in on, or like they're being watched constantly and create this area of discomfort. that impedes their performance.
2: Exactly. And we actually see that it's really the people that are most invested in these domains that actually are affected by stereotype threat the most. So the more you care about it, the more invested you are in, you know, being a woman in math or in STEM, the more that, you know, you, this is something that's meaningful to you, the more that stereotype threat actually affects you because it's such an important part of your identity and you don't want to be judged or seen through the lens of these stereotypes. People want to be treated as an individual and evaluated based on their ability and not on their gender.
1: Fairly so and honestly that's a bit of tragic irony when you hear it like that. Um, When people you know what you're saying right like when people really pride themselves on the fact that They don't see their identity that much in whatever field they're working in whatever hobby they're trying out and they're like, hey, this is really cool that I'm about to get into this, and then they become hyper aware of that. Um, that is quite tragically ironic.
2: Yeah, so that's one of the things that stereotype threat actually affects kind of the, we sort of say like the vanguards, the, the you know, people that care the most and are achieving the most in, um, in these stereotype domains. So it's another way that it's particularly pernicious in attacking kind of the, um, you know, the, the people that are, are really persisting and wanting to excel in these, um, in these fields where they have negative stereotypes that they're going up against.
1: So my automatic next question then is: How do people who are invested actively confront that stereotype? That ooh, pardon me, stereotype threat trap. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, can they prepare themselves in any way, knowing that they might feel, you know, lacking, like they're lacking confidence in what they can do because they know about that stereotype?
2: Yeah. So if we're thinking about what are some ways to try to reduce stereotype? threat if you're, if you are experiencing that. Um, Well, you know, just at a basic level, learning about stereotype threat and knowing what it is actually helps to reduce that threat. It sort of gives people an understanding that, hey, there's nothing wrong with me and uh, myself of why I might be feeling this way in these, uh, in these situations. And actually just understanding the sort of uh, universality of these effects. And, and it's not that about you or your ability and why you're experiencing this, but instead this sort of, um, you know, common psychological, you know, burden that, that other people also experience actually helps reduce some of that anxiety and uncertainty.
1: So like affirmations, finding affinity groups, things of that type might assist in confronting those?
2: Yes, absolutely. And so any kind of role models in a domain um, are really helpful at reducing again that sort of threat and feelings of potentially not belonging. So that's why representation matters so much in these contexts. Um, So having, you know, role models within a group or organization or even just prominent societal role models um, can each help to uh, show people that you know that there is a path forward and um, you know and, and that they can persist within these within these domains. Also things like adopting more learning or effort-based mindsets. And this is particularly important when you think about experiencing failure or um, being in a context where maybe you don't do well initially. With stereotype threat and those experiences, it's really easy for people to sort of give up and say, I'm just not good at X and then move on to to something else and leave that, that field. But instead, looking at any setbacks as uh, opportunities for growth, for learning, for development, um, and changing from this to a really effort-based rather than ability-based kind of mindset uh, can really help both counteract stereotype threat and help people persist within these type of domains.
1: So if people look up on Google fixed versus growth mindset, they could maybe glean some bits of advice from that. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, I guess my next question would be, we've kind of talked about role models. um, We've talked about affinity groups. Mm -hmm. What sort of environment um, building can people do to weaken the threats of stereotype threat?
2: Yeah, so we know sort of what are the characteristics in an environment that makes stereotype threat more likely to impact behave to be present and impact outcomes um, and then what are what's sort of the opposite ways that it can be uh, we can make more inclusive environments that can reduce stereotype threat. So first off, we know basically that, Anything that's priming or making those stereotypes more salient is going to induce stereotype threat. And this can be sort of directly uh, talking about the, the stereotype or also just sort of uh, implicitly or indirectly highlighting gender stereotypes, racial stereotypes, uh, whatever sort of you know stereotypes are, are, are relevant to a given context. Also things like if you're say with only a few group members uh, in a context surrounded by a lot more out group members that naturally makes that identity more salient and prominent in the, that context. And that's also gonna prime these stereotypes and just make you start thinking about the stereotype more. So anything that is sort of making that stereotyped identity salient more on your mind, having people kind of view you through the lens of that stereotype, that's all going to increase stereotype threat. And we also see then that if we just don't say anything, the sort of default is that the stereotype is there and is relevant. That's, that's why it's a cultural stereotype. It's a context where, um, where the, there's a, a relevant group stereotype. So we can't just ignore things and say, well, we didn't mention a stereotype, so there shouldn't be any stereotype threat, because that ignoring is just going back to the cultural default where that stereotype is is relevant. So what we have to do is really actively disconfirm stereotypes. We can't just say nothing. We actually have to create environments where stereotypes are uh, disaffirmed, where we have more integration um, and representation amongst group members. And we're very sensitive even to sort of subtle cues or things that might kind of transmit some sort of sense of cultural stereotypes or or belonging or not. There's really interesting work um, by uh, Sapna Sapnasharian who is at uh, University of Washington. And she's looked at, at really subtle things like posters on the wall or items on the desk, um, and the items that sort of prime uh, inclusion for particular groups rather than than others. So, posters on the wall being all white male scientists, for example, in a lab, actually imparts stereotype threat for women in STEM because. Even though no one's saying anything, it's sort of showing here's the people that are valued within this domain, and I don't match that I don't fit that. So there's very subtle ways that these stereotypes are um, are transmitted. And so if we're thinking about how to counteract that, we really need to look at sort of all areas and, and aspects of an environment to try to counter those stereotypes and have more, um, have more inclusive representation.
1: Wow. Yeah. I think back to, you know, elementary school and the amount of times where when we covered the science unit, it would basically just be like Albert Einstein. (laughs) Or um, I remember in my AP psych class, we really mostly talked about Freud, which is kind of scary for an AP psych class. Hopefully we cover more than Freud. Um, But yeah, that just strikes me as really interesting, because it's almost like people are setting up people to believe that even children, I would argue, because there's so many posters in elementary school, right, Um, to believe that STEM is a gentleman's club and at that a white gentleman's club. There's especially a lot of posters, history, things that aren't being taught of the contributions that people of Mm -hmm. color, especially Black and Indigenous people of color, have made to fields, especially within the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's some powerful stuff.
2: And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, be teaching those things. It's that we need to have more accurate and diverse representation because we've already just talked about the importance that role models at any level, even historical role models can, uh, you know, are, are able to, um, are able to help people counteract stereotype threat and then again, sort of persist in these uh, stigmatized domains.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, um, do you have any suggestions or resources for people who are like, hey, I think that (laughs) there's a couple of stereotype threat barriers that I've been facing. Um, And I guess a bit of an emphasis on resources. Where do people really start in identifying this has been a barrier for me?
2: Yeah I think that's a a great idea and an important point. Um, So I hope one message that people take home from this is that knowing that you're not alone and this is a common feeling that um, other people before you and and after you will experience when they're they're in these sort of uh, stereotyped domains. Um, If you're interested in kind of learning more about this, um, Claude Steele is one of the sort of founders of Stereotype Threat and a very prominent social psychologist. Um, He's got a great... um, popular psych book called Whistling Vivaldi, How Stereotypes Affect Us, that basically translates a lot of the academic research on these topics um, and and talks about how stereotypes really affect us uh, across all different domains and and aspects of our life. So I really recommend if you want to kind of learn a little bit more, that's a great place to, to start. Um, And also, if you just go on YouTube, he's got some TED Talks and just kind of great, um, great talks where he's, you know, talking about some of this pioneering research and and recommendations um, that I would, you know, I would suggest as people wanting to kind of learn a little bit
1: more about this. Thank you for that. And to top off this episode, I just want to say this is Your time and your time only to plug any of the work that you're doing that's available to the public, Um, discuss opportunities for PSU students to get involved in, um, or any organizations that you work with that you want to plug and just have people know that it's out there if they're interested in it.
2: Sure. Well, um, I'm always happy to you know plug and discuss any more of the great research that's going on um, on these topics at PSU and in my research lab. Um, I run the Gender, Race, and Sexual Prejudice Lab. We called GRASP, Gender, Race, and Sexual Prejudice Lab at Portland State. Um, and you're able to check out our website. We have a lot of information about some of our past research um, and our ongoing projects there. You can. Um, I think it's probably easiest just to Google GRASP Lab at Portland State, um, and you'll. It, it should pop. The link there should pop up. Um, we're always looking for dedicated um, and interested research assistance for any PSE students that are out there that would like to get involved in research. And we've got some really uh, interesting projects going on right now. And I'll I'll just say one thing as we're talking about stereotype threat, um, we have some new research looking at racial minorities experiences of stereotype threat while wearing face masks during COVID-19 and how um, wearing certain Certain types of face masks for say African Americans primes those stereotypes about kind of criminality and um, leads people to actually be less likely to wear a face mask and um, we look at some sort of consequences uh, within the policing domain um, as well. And we see some similar effects for uh, Asians and Asian Americans wearing uh, face masks during COVID-19. So that's some new research that we're doing um, and is uh, in press and going to be published soon. So we have some uh, interesting research relating these topics to the pandemic going on.
1: Yeah, extremely timely research, especially with um, the... The newly published numbers about something like 1900% increase of hate crimes against Asian Americans, which is just appalling and I know that that hits home for a lot of Portland local listeners um, with the southeast district being attacked recently so. Thinking and about everyone the out there, the
2: statements that we were hearing from um, our participants of when they're wearing a face mask, people thinking that they're infected with COVID, um, and uh, and and the discrimination that they're that they're more likely facing.
1: Mm. Well, I am grateful that the research is coming out that way. Hopefully, more people can pay attention to it and know that it's being studied. Um, but not so happy that there's actually data to find there. That's honestly really tragic. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you would like to plug today, Dr. Khan?
2: Um, I think that sounds good for now. And and thanks so much for having me on.
1: Yeah. Thank you for being on here. And listeners, I hope that you pulled something pretty amazing away from this info-filled session of Dr. Khan. See you next time.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503 725-2800 counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number 503-725-2800 if you are looking for more health and wellness resources you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every wednesday or you can download the campus well app You can also check out the virtual MindSpot experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including website links in the episode description. We also have a Google form that you can complete with any questions about health, shack, or anything we discuss in the podcast. You can find the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and take care.